And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Friday. It's November 2nd. I'm Doug Norrie. I'm with... Chris Durrell. Oh, we're from DailyFantasySportsRankings.com. DFSR.com for short. DFSR.com slash deals. Gets you that, you the podcast listener, that free seven-day trial to our optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NFL, NBA. It's all covered in the one subscription package. Premium chat, premium content. All there, in, just try it out for seven days, and then you, we think you'll be around for the long haul, as many of our users have been. I am stumbling because I cannot remember the dates. I already had to start this podcast over. If you listen to our NBA podcast, I screwed up the day this morning. I called it the 12th of November, even though I was staring at the thing uh, that said it was the 2nd. And then I started this other this podcast by just saying it was Thursday instead of Friday. I said, like, there's something going wrong in my brain. I wonder if I need to be – do I need to be checked out? Or do you, Chris, do you feel comfortable doing the rest of the podcast with me knowing that I simply can't read even the simplest of dates off the computer? It's iffy, but, you know, we're not talking about calendars. We're talking about football. So I'm, I'm comfortable. We can move on. <laughs> I just almost need to, like, make a spreadsheet. To just, I was going to say to make a calendar, and then I just have a calendar in front of me. All right, we're going to go break game by game. Uh, roll through the different situations that we're staring at here for week nine. It's a smaller slate with the buys and obviously with the Thursdays and the primetime games. But we'll roll through some of the injury stuff, which actually there isn't even that much going on this week. But there's a couple of key uh, spots we can hone in on. And I think one of the themes we're going to be really honing in on is opportunity for some of these teams. We have seen some teams go through a shift thanks to the trade deadline. We've seen some teams sort of stay committed to a, uh, sort of an organizational philosophy no matter what their personnel is. We'll get into who those guys are. And then, like I said, there are a couple guys returning from injury and not a ton of injury news uh, and buzz this week. All right, let's start it off. Uh, first game, we have the Falcons. Go, excuse me, no. We have the Jets going in and playing the Dolphins. The Jets last week, they were without Blau Powell, and I wanted to be very bullish on Isaiah Kroll. And this is like one of those situations I was talking about where I, it just kind of didn't matter the personnel. I was like, oh, well, it doesn't necessarily mean Kroll is just going to be in line for all the touches. They spread it out. Can you trust the running game here? And then we saw, and then so I want you to comment here, Chris, on the running game. And then tell me about the passing game because we went through a Jermaine Curse like zero target week. Then he gets 10 targets last week, but only converts from for three for 30 yards. What are your thoughts here uh, on the Jets? They are underdogs to the Dolphins. I, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't like the Jets run game at all. I don't think we can trust them. I mean, it's more of a GPP spot, I guess, if you want to go that way. But there's too many other spots um, that I like this week that I'm not going to really be touching this game overall um whatsoever myself maybe the only the only option i really do like here is going to be uh Kenyon drake um he's going to be low on you know he's been kind of splitting time with frank gore which kind of turns a lot of people off but he has you know he's, he's only got 18 carries the last two weeks we have 58 and 72 yards he scored in two straight weeks so i think there's a chance you know he makes sense for gpps at 5300 on DraftKings for sure um, I'll be using him a little bit there, but if he's only going to be, you know, 5% owned, you're not going to need a whole bunch if you're multi-entering to have more than the field. So if you're doing like 10, 20 lineups, having him in like one or two, I think is maybe the way to go just to get a little bit of separation in some of your GPP lineups where you got a lot of chalky plays. Other than that, I'm not yeah, Drake this out, game. Drake out snaps Gore 37 to 29. It's been mostly a theme, but it's just still too close, right? Like it's just still mm-hmm. the fact that they're within 10 snaps of each other, even though the... And, I mean, actually, it's funny. The usage was exactly the same. 12, 12 carries for each last week, two targets for each last week. I, Drake is clearly the better runner. I, I just don't understand. They just don't seem interested in giving him the ball more than Gore. And that if it hasn't changed by now, short of an injury, I, ca- I can't imagine it's going to change. I, I actually don't mind Devontae Parker. He led the team in targets. His big issue this season has been just the the injury stuff. Uh, he just had trouble staying on the field. If he's He is a big play guy. Uh, he's clearly the most talented receiver they have. Nine targets last week, one for six, 134. He's about the only guy that I can probably talk myself into in the offense. And with all, actually, with all the wide receiver shakeups uh, over the last couple of days, I, I was bullish on him. But then with all the new opportunities, I don't think, I don't think we need to go crazy on a Devontae Parker game. But he is the one guy I would target. Atlanta goes in and plays Washington. Washington starts as a two and a half point home favorite. 
down to a one-point favorite now. Atlanta coming in here on the road, but they're all coming off a bye. They're still without Devontae Freeman. I wanted to trust Tevin Coleman going forward, um, and this is another situation where before the bye, he seemed like he was going to be in line for a lot of the carries, and then he's 37 snaps for him and 28 for Ito Smith. Give me your thoughts here going in with Atlanta. It's a team that we wanted to target in the past with some of their with some of their guys, you know, Coleman, obviously Julio Jones, Matt Ryan. Uh, is that is this a situation that you like them in this week? Absolutely not. Washington has only allowed 80 uh, second second best passing defense in the league, allowing just 80 yards per week on the ground. So it's a bad matchup. Plus, you know, they're kind of split in time. That scares me even more. And that's kind of like two strikes. Um, don't really need a third strike there. I think he's just he's out right away. So not really looking at either um, in this matchup. More towards the passing game. Matt Ryan, he is his price has dropped a couple hundred bucks on both sides. And I get that it's it's kind of a tough matchup as well. Washington's been good on defense, but they are. Um, you know they are giving up some yards, and just with his price and how much he's throwing, and he's got he's got Hooper, he's got Jones, he's got Sanu, he's got Calvin Ridley, he's got all the options there. And with that price drop, I just think it makes a ton of sense to to get on board with Matt Ryan. I'm even considering him in cash games. I haven't really made that decision yet because there are some other options that I do like. But uh, Matt Ryan in the passing game is kind of where I'm looking to for Atlanta this week. Yeah, you know, Julio Jones has been much publicized. The guy hasn't caught a touchdown yet this season. Uh, it's unclear if he's going to, only because it's not even like you can point to, oh, he hasn't caught a touchdown. It's because he's running bad in the red zone. He's not really even running bad in the red zone. They simply haven't wanted to target him down there. There's been so much talk of this stuff. I do feel like it's sometimes narrative, especially in like public discourse, does change philosophy. So I'm wondering if we see them come out of the bye and just have a, not even a willingness, but like a just a philosophy that says we just have to get this guy going into the mm-hmm. end zone. It's just one of these things that just every week it doesn't happen. It seems to become a bigger and bigger thing. I'm actually curious your thoughts on Adrian Peterson. So like Peterson is a guy I just hated going into the season. I was like, I laughed when the, the Redskins signed him. I, I was like, oh, my God, look at this. Like, this guy's dead. This guy can, can't play two games in a row. Um, he's so old. The yards per carry are terrible. Like, what is Washington doing? I've been wrong every step of the way on Peterson. Is it time for me to, like – adjust course because we're we still have him for a pretty low projection he's kind of six thousand on DraftKings. uh he's in like that seven thousand dollar range on fanduel what do you think about peterson i i still don't trust it but i'm wondering if i yeah seventy five hundred on fanduel i don't trust it and i'm wondering if it's too much like leftover of from my initial thoughts when i just thought it was a joke of a signing i had kind of he's like one of my favorite players of all time so i'm a little bit biased here but with that in in mind i was on the same page page as you going into the season where it was kind of laughable and uh, we're in a fantasy league together, and my wife's in the same league, and she drafted well, I'm, him I'm early in I'm technically in the league, but I might as well not. I might as well not. Pay. I just, I just <laughs> yeah. to be clear, I, I'm technically I own a team in this league, and I, I just I, I, that's only technically. I can't. I, I'm not really even that. I'm not even a good participant. <laughs> keep, keep going. What was it? What were you going to say about yeah. the the, the well, ownership? Sh- she drafted him early, and I made fun of her, and I've been hearing about it ever right. since. Um, she's in first place in the league, by the way, and I'm like in, I don't know, down near the bottom half. We're kind of both trolling down the bottom. But he comes into, you know, comes into this week, and he's had 90 or more, 96 or more rush yards in five of his seven games. Like, he's, he's had those two bad games against Indy and New Orleans. New Orleans is like, I think they're the top rushing uh, DVOA defense out there. So that's not really unheard of. But he's only had uh, those two bad games. And with Thompson banged up against Atlanta, who's also one of the worst rushing defenses, giving up a ton of points to running backs this season, I think he's in play again, especially if Thompson's going to be. They're both questionable, but Peterson's been questionable pretty much during the week of every game for the last five years. Um, They really kind of try and limit his practice time. But Thompson, on the other hand, he only got three carries last week, um, 13 yards, and he only got those three targets. So it kind of tells you how much he was banged up last week. And I don't think... Yeah, I'm just reading here. He isn't even practicing today, so it doesn't seem like he's going to play. So I'm all over Peterson at his price, kind of in that mid-tier um, this week again. My only re- my only uh, hesitation on him, really, and I, and I still hold true to this one, is he just uh, simply doesn't catch enough balls out of the mm-hmm. backfield. There is a bo- there is a tier of bottom terrible defenses, and I would call that, and I'm talking about strictly from DVOA at this point because DVOA runs by percentages. You know, so you can kind of see the, what percentage, how much worse DBA is calculated on. And there is a bottom tier of defenses that I put together, and that's Oakland, Detroit, Atlanta, and Tampa Bay. These, these are the, easily the worst defenses in the league when it comes to DVOA. Atlanta is actually butting up against how bad t- Tampa Bay has been horrible, and Atlanta 
a bad game out of Atlanta could get them there. <laughs> like they're, they're they're that close. So I think the, the line strikes me as a little bit low. I it helps it helps the under that Alex Smith does not want to throw the ball downfield. We did talk about Jordan Reed as a possible tight end play on the Cash Game podcast. I really hope they start using him uh, more in the pass game and more efficiently. And that's just also something they haven't done. Anything to like about the the Redskins wide receivers? This this receiver core has been banged up all year. You'd think that would typically open up some value, and it really hasn't seemed to happen uh, for their Redskins passing game. Yeah, Dotson's catching a lot of his targets. Like he caught all five of his targets last week, but, I mean, that's five targets. I'm more looking yeah. at uh, um, been on the Jordan Reed train, waiting for him to break out all season. He didn't really break out last week, per se, with only 38 yards and 5.4 uh, per catch. But he did have 12 targets, and that's uh, I think believe that was a season high for him. Yeah, it's the first time he's had double-digit targets all season. So he's going to be the guy I'm looking to uh, from the tight end position. Maybe not from a cash game standpoint because we haven't seen the yardage or anything yet to kind of give them those short routes, uh, the, the classic Alex Smith short route. Um, but, yeah. you know, if they can get down near the red zone a few times, which I think they can against Atlanta, I think his touchdown upside is there. So, And at 4,800 on DraftKings, I think it makes sense to get him in, in your lineups as well because the tight end position, like we talk about every week, is just garbage. It's it's so garbage. I could see him being sort of popular play on Dra- FanDuel and DraftKings only because there's just nobody else to play. It's not even that he's even that great. It's like the, the rest of this list is so garbage. I mean, I'm looking, staring mm-hmm. on the points per dollar list. It's it's so terrible. Austin Hooper, Chris Herndon. I then you get to Kyle Rudolph. He hasn't put much this season. Reed Howard. The list is the list is bad. I, I'm I'm an advocate for getting rid of this position in terms of fantasy. If the league is just if the league is going away from the tight end, then we no longer need to be beholden to it in fantasy. I don't think. I think we're only probably a few seasons away from possibly just not even considering the tight end anymore from a fantasy perspective. Let's roll through the rest of these games. Detroit goes in and plays your Minnesota Vikings. The news coming out of Minnesota, I mean, we talked for a minute before the podcast. It has both of us so baffled. Dalvin Cook, the latest news on him is that he is now going to play, but play limited snaps. This uh, this injury situation is nothing worse, is, is no better than a complete mess uh, this season. I, you could probably comment on better than I. He He's hurt. He he. They bring him back. They rule him out right before the game. They don't know if he's playing. This week he's definitely not going to play. He's going to a bye. Now it's Friday and he's going to play. I mean, talk about the Dalvin Cook situation and what it does for Latavius Murray. You're a little more plugged into the Vikings than I am. It's it's kind of confusing. And I mean, Cook's been saying since he's been out since uh, week four he went out. So five, six, seven, eight. In those weeks, he's really said that he's not going to come back until he's 100%, and then he's going to tear up the league. It's kind of the, the narrative that he's been going with. Well, this is quite confusing to, you know, everyone's expecting him to be out this week, get back on the Latavius Murray train. Latavius Murray's been playing good. Um, so yeah. the fact that they all of a sudden on Friday say, well, he's probably, you know, he's likely to play and we're going to put him on a pitch, sorry, not a pitch count, a snap count, you know, maybe give him five, ten carries. They're not really saying the number. Um, but I don't understand why when you have a, uh, you're having a running back who's backing up, he's doing good, he's in a positive, you know, game script game where, you know, they can throw a lot against Detroit, who's been, like you said, one of the worst DVOA defenses in the league. Why bring a guy back that's maybe not 100% and put him on a snap count when you've got a running back that's already there producing and you've got a bye week next week? Let him get 100%, bring him back in. It's so frustrating. It makes no sense. It makes no, and it's frustrating from a DFS perspective specifically because we spent a while yesterday talking about why Latavius Murray was a good cash game play at Mm -hmm. these price points. I think you would have seen him. Now, here's the thing. I still think that Murray is a play here. I, this limited snap thing my guess is it means closer to zero than it does to 10. You know what I mean? And so then at that point, or I'm saying 10 carries, closer to zero snaps than it is to, yeah, maybe even 10 snaps. So if that's the case, if we're going to try to figure out where along the line Cook plays, if he plays 20 snaps, is Latavius Murray still in contention as a favorite? I think so, right? Like I, he had been, he had not been splitting any of the snaps leading into, leading into this week, right? Like he'd been their feature, feature back. So if you think Cook comes in and takes... 15% of those, I th- for me, Murray is still a play. I'm, I'm actually, in some ways, maybe hoping it drops his ownership a little bit. Yeah. Because it would shock you, like, if Cook didn't play at all. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that, that wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise, at this point, that wouldn't surprise me at all. So, I mean, do you agree with that assessment? I don't want to spend this whole thing on Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray, but because we have to go through the rest of these games. But this situation is confusing. If you had to put him, like, would you, okay, I, I was asking an easy question. Do you think Murray is still in play for, for cash games specifically? 
for cash games, it's touchy. I think um, I'm more leaning towards GPP right now at this very moment. Um, and I think his ownership, like you said, I think his ownership's going to go down a bit with people seeing that he's likely to play um, and going to get back in there. You know, most of the people that aren't really digging too much into that news are going to not use Latavius Murray. There are a lot of other options in that mid-range. So I think he makes a really good, strong GPP play to pivot. Um, but... If we hear Sunday morning, and I would not be shocked at all an hour before the game when they're out there in warm-ups, that they just all of a sudden rule Dalvin Cook out altogether. And that's kind of, I'm yeah. kind of waiting and projecting that's going to happen Sunday morning. Man, the Vikings play this like it's like freaking NBA DFS. This is what we've come to expect in the NBA. It's like, oh, it's 7, yeah. 6.55, guys out. This, football, this doesn't happen. Like This kind of thing doesn't no. happen in football. It's usually teams know by Friday for sure if the guys are playing. Forget about just guys getting ruled out Sunday right before the game unless there's been a real big question mark. Anyway, um, other guys to consider here, obviously, uh, Adam Thielen going for you – know, tell me the record he's going for again. You were talking about the record, and I, I'm wondering – records matter to coaches and to players for sure. Do you think you – know, give us some news on the record and then where you kind of add, mm-hmm. add Thielen in terms of cash game and GPP upside. Yeah, so he's already broke the record of 100, uh, 100 plus yards in I think it was seven straight games to uh, give him the record for um, starting the season, consecutive games to start the season. But he's now tied with Calvin Johnson with eight um, any any time during the season. So that's the all-time record is eight straight with Calvin Johnson. So he's he's also breaking down the matchups this week. You got, uh, you got Diggs who's going to get um, a lot of Darius Slay this week. And Cousins mm-hmm. is really good at breaking down those matchups and targeting the guy who's in the better matchup. So I think Thielen... All, has a better matchup and there's no way that cousins doesn't know that this is the record and what a time it would be to break that record against calvin johnson's old team so i yeah. think Thielen okay. is by far a great play that record thing i i hate to i hate to put narrative as part of a projection because it's usually stupid to do that <laughs> like 99 percent <laughs> of the time it is stupid to use any narrative and I even mean narrative like oh, revenge game or uh, these other things that people ascribe. Not, not narrative like, um, oh, you know, he's going to get a lot of the carries. That's not what I mean by that. I mean like, the, you know, emotional narratives that have to do mm-hmm. around projections. This is actually one that I'm thinking about because, like you said, these guys pay attention to these records. Football is such a short season overall. The fact that, like, you know, 16 games, most players don't even play that many. Um, these records just do come and go pretty quickly. And I think that this stuff matters. And I was actually just reading something about Twitter in another situation. I think it was about Todd Gurley talking about, you know, when records are on the line, the coaches and the players understand it sometimes even better than the fans do. So um, I'm, bu- I'm bullish on Thielen. I'm even more bullish after you told me that. I love the fact that you said uh, he grades out really well in terms of who he's facing for cornerbacks because it looks, it looks like um, it looks like Diggs will get that slay, the Darius slay coverage. Uh, what about now? Let's go to the Detroit side. Detroit mm-hmm. is a team we talked about them pretty extensively on the Cash Game podcast yesterday, where they re- they traded Golden Tate and now are left with Marvin Jones, Kennedy Galladay, and I guess to some degree TJ Jones. Where do you want to stack uh, these Detroit receivers that are left here? We've seen Galladay be able to maintain double digit targets, but that has not been the case in the short term. And Marvin Jones is a guy who strikes me a little more boom or bust than I'm that I typically want to go in cash games and. It's hard to ignore that they just have a significant amount of opportunity opening up in the wide receiver core. Yeah, exactly. Marvin Jones is kind of a boomer bust. I like him for GPPs because he gets so many end zone targets, um, whether it's a, a deep throw where he's in the end zone um, or whether you know they're in the red zone and they're throwing to him in the end zone. So he's GPP for me. Galladay was on the cash game radar early in the season, but he hasn't really been getting the targets. I do see that coming back up because Jones looks like he's probably, Xavier Rhodes usually uh, shadows, so he's probably going to shadow Marvin Jones is kind of my guess there, uh, which kind of leaves Kenny Galladay with Trey Waynes on the other side. Waynes really hasn't been uh, lived up to par, even though Minnesota does rank highly against the pass. Um, so Galladay's the guy that I'm really looking at this week as a top player. I think we can consider him in cash games, but um, I've done some lineup construction so far, and I just haven't had to go that way yet. So I do consider him for cash, but I only make one cash lineup. I don't I don't really hedge and make a bunch of cash lineups, and he hasn't really made it into that top lineup for me this week, but he's he's on the fringes for sure. 
Galladay played every snap last week. You would barely know he had one target. Um, that is yeah. the guys, guys who are supposed to be sort of elite level. He's not, he's not elite level, but I call him the next tier down. Let's say uh, guys that are supposed to be this level wide receiver simply should never have a game script where they only see one target. That's very concerning when you see stuff like that, but I'm being pretty aggressive on his targets share this week with get rid of, getting rid of Tate's right around double digit targets per game. And like you said, Marvin Jones, uh, does lead the team in red zone targets this season with 10. Jones had seven, Galladay with five. So you stands the reason we see uh, we do see an uptick probably from both of the guys that are left over in that line. Kansas City goes in to play Cleveland. They are eight-point road favorites against a Browns team that just fired Hugh Jackson, you know, eight weeks too late, and the offensive coordinator as well, Todd Haley. Uh, Jackson and Haley were just borderline um, negligent, I would say. They were committing uh, they were committing some kind of crime with the, some of the schemes they would run, and it was only the <laughs> seemed like the talent that was even keeping them in games. This is a case where they're just huge underdogs here. What kind of – okay, so I'm going to add – there's two separate questions here. One is, are the Chiefs still in play here? 30.25 implied points. We guys have guys like Mahomes, Hunt, Tyreek Hill. He might be a little banged up right now. Kelsey coming off a big game. Are we can we trust them? Cleveland's been decent on defense, and then what do we do with Cleveland with a new, just kind of a new, at least for the short term, coaching regime? How much can we, how much do we want to be bullish on them? I don't know. What are your thoughts here? Because I, the coaching coaching changes mid season with guys who sometimes are fantasy relevant always do, do vex me a little bit. Yeah, on the Cleveland side of things, I'm not really sure what to expect this week. They're they're moving their running backs coach. Um, into the offensive coordinator role, and that's kind of new for him. He did call plays in week four of the preseason. That also doesn't really mean a whole lot. Um, they did put up points in that game, but again, that's your backup players, third stringers and such. But uh, not really sure what to expect or what kind of game plan they're going to come out with, so kind of definitely GPP only. And, I mean, you look at Njoku, he, he destroyed everyone last week, um, didn't even get a target in the game. Uh, Baker Mayfield's been up and down, hasn't completed a ton of his passes. Jarvis Landry's getting a ton of targets, but he's not doing a whole heck of a lot with them. Um, so I'm just kind of wait-and-see approach with this new situation for Cleveland right now. Um, probably not going to have any exposure across any formats, to be honest. Um, but on the KC side of things, with Tyreek Hill probably still not 100%, I think, you know, especially in a position at tight end where we don't really have a lot of options, I think I agree with you out of the cash game article where it may be a week to pay up for Travis Kelsey. I think he's going to get uh, um, his target share. He had double digit last week, and he hasn't had double digit before that in like four straight weeks. Um, so that was really good to see. So I think he's again in line for 10 plus targets if, if Hill's still a little bit banged up. And, uh, you know, GPPs. If Hill's not doing good, Sammy Watkins is usually doing good. So, you know, it may be a Sammy Watkins week again. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And so it is sometimes, considering their price points, it's very difficult to trust the the, the Chiefs on a week-to-week basis. Again, I'm only talking about prices because they have they obviously put up tons and tons of points, and you can get burned pretty easily. Like last week, I, we, I felt like we ran bad with some Korean hunt touchdowns, and it doesn't take much for them to put up, you know, 30 points. And for the guy that you have at 7,000, 7,500, whatever, to not really do anything close to that just because Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are the ones catching touchdowns. That's, I don't know if I'm just, I don't know, thinking like I've been burnt a couple times with the Chiefs in, the, in this sense. And I don't know if I'm just kind of putting that too much there. One guy, actually, I'm, I'm a little confused by the, by the Browns. I'm just going to go back to the Browns for one second. Nick Chubb is clearly a guy they wanted to give the ball to a ton with even like sort of independent of the game script. Like he carried the ball 18 times and had three targets last game. Do you think we have carryover from that? Because he's, I mostly say, because he's still coming very cheap. Uh, he is, I think, sub 4,000. Now, he's 4,500 on DraftKings, and I, uh, I think he's like in that same sort of range on FanDuel. Uh, but 4,500 for a guy that touches the ball 21 times, 6,600 is probably a little too expensive on FanDuel. But 4,500 for a guy that touched the ball 21 times in a game that they weren't exactly winning, does, is it worth taking? Can you can you kind of talk yourself into that? They haven't wanted to play Duke Jackson, Johnson a ton, but now it's a new coaching thing. Or is it like is it just too little to trust because of the new coach? Well, you know, you kind of selling me there, and I did mention earlier the new offensive coordinator was their running backs coach. So you know, it would make sense. You know, narrative street again um, that Nick Chubb would see that kind of volume again, and it is, I guess, you could say a little bit weaker of a of a defense um, in Kansas City. They're more on the passing side of things, I guess you could say. But uh, definitely, I think for GPPs, you know, he makes sense because there's not a lot of guys down in that sub-5K range 
that are getting that kind of volume. So at 4,500 on DraftKings, I think it does make sense. Uh, the Well, Kansas City, they're 32nd in uh, DVOA versus the Rush. So, I mean, that's definitely a direction that you could look this week for GPPs for sure at 4,500. And then I kind of forgot to mention Kareem Hunt on the other side. I wouldn't say he burnt people last week. He kind of made up for it with that touchdown, that receiving touchdown. He only had 36 yards receiving, but he did get that touchdown to get like 20 fantasy points out of the day. I like this spot for them as can't or sorry, game script is going to be positive. They're nine point favorites, and Cleveland has given up almost 140 yards per game on the ground. So I think you know if, if some people are feeling burned by him last week, and maybe just going to pay up for Todd Gurley, especially on DraftKings where Gurley's price is a little bit lower than FanDuel. I think Hunt is going to be maybe a bit of a pivot play this week off of uh, off of your McCaffrey's and your Gurley's up top. Yeah, they still give up points. Kansas City does will will give it up on defense. They they have a little bit of more freedom to do so because their offense is so good. So it's always I always wonder if that's you know what comes first on that. You know, mm-hmm. is the is there are they just more willing to do it on defense to kind of just kind of play a little looser on defense because they know the offense can kind of carry them. Um, I it's it's close for me on Hunt. I think in any situation I'm going to want to try to play out for Gurley. I think and but I get it because he does check all the other boxes. Home or excuse me, a big time favorite in a, on a team where that's been willing to give him basically all the usage. Another game that you're going to see, I think, a, a fair amount of fantasy uh, relevance and ownership is Tampa Bay goes in and plays Carolina. Carolina is a six-point favorite at home. They have right now, I think, the second-highest implied total at 30.5 because I think the Rams have the – or the Saints, excuse me, have a, have a tick higher. Uh, but 30.5, six-point favorite. We talked a lot about McCaffrey and about Cam on the Cash Game podcast. I think I'm going to be all Cam in Cash Games this week. I'm a little on the fence about where I stand with McCaffrey. Talk to me your thoughts about Carolina and what's clearly the best matchup, and then give me your thoughts on Tampa Bay and what happens with them moving back to Fitzpatrick at quarterback. I've been on the Cam Newton train for almost the whole entire season for Cass just because um, a lot of people maybe haven't because he doesn't hit that. He's only hit 300 yards once this season, but he's hit cash value on Fandle every single week and cash value on DraftKings in all but two weeks. And then you look at the upside for Cam, he's hit GPP value, which is like three times value or more on FanDuel in each of the last three weeks and four times plus value on DraftKings each of the last three weeks. So he's got a high floor. He runs the ball a ton um, to give you that, you know, to help build to that really high floor. And then he's got the upside as well. And now on top of that, he faces like the worst passing defense in the league. So it's it kind of he's going to be high owned for sure at his price. But uh, it's definitely a smash spot for Cam. And he gives you that goal line touchdown rushing upside as well on top of the passing. So I'm with you on 100% Cam and Cash this week. Um, I do like McCaffrey more for GPP. I don't think I like pairing them together just because uh, McCaffrey catches the ball more than he carries. He seems like more of a receiving back than a... You know, he had that one week where he got a ton of carries. We got all excited, like, oh, he's going to become a workhorse back. He had 28 carries that week in a win, in a win against Cincinnati. Since then, he's only had 17, 8, 7, and 14 carries and only one rushing touchdown that was last week. But he's consistently getting 6 to 10 targets in the passing game. So he's more GPP for me there. Plus, Cam takes away those goal line touchdowns. So um, I'm not really looking to him in cash. Especially, I mean, if you're going with Gurley, you're going to have to drop down a little bit or you're going to have absolutely zero wide receivers. You're going to be punting every other position this week. And then on the Tampa Bay side, I do like Fitz getting back in there. Um, I think Mike Evans is, was banged up a little bit last week. I'm sure he's going to go. I think it looks like he's going to go. He was limited on Thursday. I uh, haven't seen the Friday report yet. But uh, Deshaun Jackson as well um, with the deep ball for GPPs. And then, uh, yeah, the tight end. One of my favorite tight ends um, I've been talking about this week is O.J. Howard. He's had three straight games where he's had only four, nine, and four targets. But he's caught... 13 of those, and he's had 60 or more yards in three straight games and touchdown in two of those three games. So if you're going cheap and not maybe going with Kelsey, he is the next cash tight end that I'm looking at is O.J. Howard. Yeah, that all makes sense to me. I think, like I said, you're going to see high ownership in this game, which is sort of all around. Um, I think there's it's a, it's a little harder to sink your teeth into the Carolina passing the wide receiver core just because no one's really materialized. You get a Funchess touch on every once in a while. DJ Moore, he was the standout last week. Cam just doesn't throw enough to the wide receivers to really make any of them worth it, even though they're getting such a they're just in such a smash spot against Tampa Bay. Uh, one interesting guy for Tampa Bay 
is Peyton Barber. So Ronald Jones has already been ruled out this week. Now Peyton Barber outsnapped Jacquees Rogers 43 to 33 last week, but Barber carried the ball 19 times uh, and had a touchdown in a game where they were clearly coming from behind the whole time. He's the only reason I'm saying this because he is so cheap on on DraftKings. He's 3600, um, which is about as cheap as you'll ever see a running back for a guy that could touch the ball 15 times, especially with just the ball bouncing a couple ways where they get up somehow get up early. He also stinks, so that's another big part of his problem with his projection. He's just not very good. Um, I just wanted to make mention that we usually don't see a guy with possibly the chance to touch the ball this many times without Jones uh, coming for this cheap, and the fact that he's not in every lineup just is more of an indictment on uh, on Peyton Barber than it is against like the projection system. All right, Steelers go in and play Baltimore. This is a pretty high leverage game for both these teams. Baltimore is a two-and-a-half point favorite. It's about 47 over under. James Conner obviously went completely off last week. Now, this week, he comes in as an underdog. Do you see Conner, two-and-a-half point, by the way, two-and-a-half point underdog, it, for me, has not shown to be statistically relevant when it comes to helping to project running backs. Like, that is a sort of no-man's land in terms of Vegas implied totals. The, you really see spikes is when you get, like, five points or above for it in a certain way. So this strikes me as a pick but the total is low. Where do you stand, where do you put Conner in here in terms of cash games? He's so much cheaper than Gurley. But he's in that like Kareem Hunt range. If you had a rank after, let's say rank Gurley number one. If you had a rank Hunt, Connor, McCaffrey, and that's probably the group. Maybe Melvin Gordon too. Where do you, where do you kind of slot Connor into that group? Probably third behind Hunt. I think I go Hunt behind Gurley and then Connor. Um, I'm really torn. I guess you could say between um, is he going to be high owned or not. I mean he's had 100 plus yards in three straight games, double digit touchdown or sorry, not double digit. That'd be absolutely ridiculous. Two <laughs> touchdowns in, in in three straight games. So he's just been absolutely crushing. You'd think people would be jumping on board and he's going to be high owned, but he's getting a very tough matchup against Baltimore on the road as a dog. Like you said, I think this is more going to be a lower scoring game, uh, like a, you know, a classic Pittsburgh, Baltimore, duke it out, low scoring, under the total kind of game. Um, I'm not really on Connor and Cash games for sure. I think I want a piece just because of how good he's been and how much you know volume he's been getting all overall combined with the targets plus uh, his rushing attempts. So I guess it'd be more of a GPP spot for me with Connor, but uh, not really thrilled about it and not going to be overexposed to it, that's for sure. Yeah, no, I think I, I agree. Um, it's not a great matchup for the, either of the wide receivers in this spot. Baltimore is just a good mm-hmm. defense. Uh, this one of the better defenses Pittsburgh is going to face this year. They're a top five, uh, number six DVOA, um, five against the run, ten against the pass. Just a good defense, and that's why you're seeing a Pittsburgh team that's put, had you know been pushing up toward thirty over unders, thirty implied totals, uh, getting all the way down to right around twenty two this week. It's because Baltimore is just not an ideal matchup there. Baltimore too. Another team very tough from a DFS perspective. The running back situation continues to be a, a timeshare. Uh, Alex Collins snapped the ball 33 times. I guess they well they didn't run excuse me they didn't run the ball as much last week. He he was on the field for 33 snaps. They played. It's funny they played Lamar Jackson for 14 snaps last week. Gus <laughs> Edwards was on there for eight. Uh, and then the receiver they threw 39 times last week. Sneed was the guy who saw a lot of the targets. But we've seen weeks where it's Crabtree. We've seen John Brown go uh, catch some deep balls. Is there? Is this game maybe just too defensively sound for you on the Baltimore side as well? And then if if so, we can just move on. Yeah, I'm not really looking to anyone on the Baltimore side of things. What I am looking to, um, the Bears, like we know for defense, the Bears are going to be very highly owned despite their price just because of the matchup versus Buffalo. I think if you want to go cheap and maybe get two high-priced running running backs and maybe a high-priced wide receiver in there, I'm looking at the Pittsburgh defense on DraftKings specifically at 2,300. Um, They... They have 24 sacks this season, which I believe is ranked third in the league. So they're getting a lot of sacks. They have, like, looking at adjusted sack rate, they're fifth in the league on their defensive line. While Baltimore, surprisingly, I didn't really even look at this until this week, they're 24th when looking at their offensive line and their adjusted sack rate. So they're they're kind of down in that bottom five, bottom ten range of the league. So I think it's a good spot where Pittsburgh maybe gets in there and gets, you know, three, four sacks and maybe even a turnover. And, and that's well enough to hit value at 2300 on DraftKings for defense. Yeah, no, and the de- defense for me is one of those things. I it, I just don't think it really makes sense to always just pay up for the most obvious thing. These defensive, uh, defensive scoring, the ways they score are just so variable. Teams can just, especially too, like teams can just score late garbage points, which just kind of kills because it does have nothing to do with margin of victory, right? It has to do with just um, how many points you put up. The if you just look at the variance uh, and the standard deviation on team defenses, it's just it's just wildly all over the place. And I'm I'm a big time advocate of just paying down 
and kind of just hoping not to get lucky, but if you can pick up the sacks, if you can pick up an interception here and there, and some teams are going to be slightly better than others at doing that. I just don't, it's hard to pay through the nose. Now you did mention the bears, the bears go and play the bills. Bills are horrible. I don't know another way to put it. They're 10 point home. They're 10 point home underdogs. We do not need to talk about them at all, except to say, like you said, the bears are clearly the top overall projected defense on the week. But I'm wondering your thoughts on when I start to see, we, we mentioned this earlier in the podcast, when we start to see, 10-point favorites for a team, even on the road. That is where we really want to start paying attention to the running back. Jordan Howard split carries down the middle with Tara Cohen last week, 38-38, to 38, and but still carried the ball 22 times for 81 yards and a touchdown. It looks like in games where they're going to be up, that the plan is to just give him the ball a ton on the ground. Is this a spot to play him? Because the other things check the boxes. Big time home favorite, guy who will carry the ball a lot in the right game script. Our projection, we have him for a decent amount of carries. The projection is still pretty low. Where does he kind of land for you in terms of cash games? Uh, not so much on FanDuel at $6,200, but at $4,700, uh, I love pairing. If you're going to go with the Chicago defense, I think you have to get Jordan Howard in there. I think it's going to be an absolute blowout. Um, like, you know, they blew out the Jets last week, 24-10. to 10. You said he got 22 carries, 81 yards, and a touchdown. One of his best performances on the season, and he's been seeing more more touch share, I guess you could say, or carries, um, you know, for a while now. And the only reason, reason George, or Tariq Cohen got there last week was that 70-yard reception that he got and uh, for a touchdown. If he doesn't get that, I mean, he had five carries for 40 yards, and that was his only catch on the day. So it looked like uh, George, they want to get Jordan Howard more involved. So I'm definitely on board under 5K on DraftKings, especially, I mean, like we talked about paying up for one of those running backs this week. He fits in there perfect. Um, you know, the game script is absolutely there. And then, like I said, my favorite, one of my favorite correlations is running back with defense. So if, if the Bears are going to be causing a lot of turnover, especially on that Buffalo side of the, um, you know, their side of the field, I think Howard is going to have some opportunities to not only get that 20-plus carries again, but also touchdown upside. Um, so he's, he's, I think he's got a floor and upside. GPP only on FanDuel for me, but he's definitely cash game worthy on DraftKings. Our, our, our uh, projection for the Bears defense is hilarious. It's it's at 9.05 points. Uh, the next closest is under seven for the Vikings. Like oh. to be two whole points and and to be two whole points ahead of the next defense is really let's look yourself in the mirror time for when it comes to Buffalo. This team is just straight up horrible. All right, uh, San Diego. Excuse me, I still do it. Years later, I'm still calling them San Diego. The the LA Chargers go in and play the Seahawks. They are the Seahawks are one point favorites. The start is a two point favorite for Seattle, down to one at home. So we're looking. Vegas is seeing Chargers as a slightly better team with the Seahawks getting some of that home bump. Uh, looks like they're getting fully healthy here with Melvin Gordon. Feels like it's been forever since I talked about the Chargers because they played some of these like weird other slates, like the, the London game. There was a bye, so I feel like it's been weeks and weeks and weeks since I've had to even think about the Chargers here. Give me your thoughts on this game. Yeah, I, I'm really liking the Seattle side of things. Russell Wilson has been just smashing lately. Three touchdowns in, in each of his last three weeks. He's not, you know, he doesn't hit that 300-yard mark like we talked about with Cam there. He hasn't been rushing a lot either, so he's not rushing like Cam, but he's cheap. He's under 6K on DraftKings. Uh, he's only 7,700 on FanDuel. And I just think with a lot of, you know, you got Mahomes, you got Newton, you got Goff, Trubisky even a little bit um, in that spot. He's been rushing the ball a lot. Matt Ryan, um, um, who else? We got Drew Brees. All these quarterbacks are going to be high out. I think Wilson's going to come in pretty low owned this week. And the Chargers are only like middle of the pack when you're looking at DVOA passing defense, uh, fantasy points against quarterbacks. And I think a lot of the reason is, you know, Joey, they don't have Joey Bosa there rushing the passer. Um, they lost Jason Verrett early in the season. I talked about this a little bit earlier in the season. So they're not getting an elite pass rush like they're used to. And they're missing their top quarterback on the back end. So I think this is a really good spot for Russell Wilson. I think you can get him cheap, even though he's been really producing lately. He threw it a hilariously low 17 total times last week against Detroit. <laughs> 14 for 17 for 248 yards and three touchdowns. Three touchdowns and 17 pass attempts is like, I, I you really can't do much better than that. It's, it's un, and especially that was a, a total of 17. He really hasn't thrown the ball much. They played in some weird games. Uh, the Obviously, the Detroit one, they ran the ball a ton. Against Oakland, they were just winning, and that game was pretty much over. The Rams, he uh, they, they kept it close, but it really wasn't because of him. He did throw three touchdowns, but barely had any yards. So his line, mostly our projection on him is low because he's just the pass attempts in total haven't been there. And to see a tick up this week against a good Chargers defense wouldn't shock me at all. Now, they walked into the Seattle walked into the game last week and said they were going to have four active running backs, which I just think is hilarious. Uh, that means <laughs> you're just kind of clueless about what you're going to do. And then Carson is the guy who comes out and carries the ball 25 times 
for 105 yards and a touchdown. I think he has a questionable tag on him this week. They have shown the willingness to want to run the ball a lot this year. Can you trust a guy like Carson's? Because the 27 total touches last week is completely elite usage. And I think I'm just snake bit on what the overall plan is in Seattle, but what they actually even want to do at running back. Yeah, with the questionable tag for Carson, plus they're you know they're trying to get Mike Davis in there. Um, they're giving Penny some some carries. I just I really don't like uh, the the running game for them whatsoever. Chargers have been pretty good against the run. Um, you know, middle of the pack a little bit better than middle middle of the pack there. So not really looking towards. I I guess if Carson's going to be go, we get some news maybe Sunday morning or Saturday that you know he's going to be a full go. I guess he could be a GPP play. But myself, he's at the same price as Jordan Howard. Um, we talked about with the Bears. I'm definitely leaning Howard more in that spot. He's he's sharing with Cohen like we talked about, but the game script's much better for him in my opinion. Um, so myself, I'm kind of fading Carson this week. Yeah, and I think for, I'm with I'm with I'm with you. And then I think also I, we didn't talk about Melvin Gordon on the other side. Uh, he is mm-hmm. now you know he didn't play in that London game and he had the bye last week. He's on track to play, but the fact that he's more expensive than some of these other running backs that we talked about, like he's more. He costs more than, let's see, he costs more than Hunt, so no way. I think I'd rather have Hunt. He costs more than McCaffrey. I think I'd probably rather have McCaffrey. And he costs 1000 more on FanDuel or on DraftKings than James Conner. I think I'd still take Conner over, over Gordon here uh, in that spot. Uh, let's keep rolling through here to the next game. Houston goes in and plays Denver. These two teams do see a shakeup in the wide receiver core both. <laughs> uh, Houston brings in, they lose Will Fuller, but then they bring in Demarius Thomas. Uh, so I guess if you want to talk revenge game, this is a revenge game. I I don't know why you'd want to take a revenge. It's a better situation for him to go on to, to Houston if he wants to win. He's probably happy. Uh, and then yeah. Denver, yeah, he has like so. How much revenge? I don't know. Maybe anti-revenge to take it easy on them, give you for giving you a good situation to go into. And then Denver <laughs> getting rid of Thomas, and now sure looks like Cortland Sutton is going to be the next guy up. I want your opinion on. We talked about this a little bit, James and I, yesterday about what you think Thomas does to DeAndre Hopkins's target share. I was very bullish on them just forcing the ball to him over and over and over again if they had made no improvements in the passing game I'm not sure that I mean Thomas is better than what they had he's not an elite receiver by any means do you think he cuts into Hopkins a lot or possibly maybe just helps him the fact that the defenses can't totally hone in on DeAndre anymore yeah I was kind of trying to break down like the similarities between these offenses because I, I mean you see a guy that goes over in a trade has to learn a new offense um I you know I thought maybe they'd take it slow with Thomas but it, both these offenses took over new um, offensive schemes at the start of the season kind of looking at that run pass option kind of thing maybe want to run the ball a little bit and Thomas is a guy that kind of fits that scheme so I think you know I don't see him getting like 10 targets by any means but somewhere in that 5-6 range I mean that's what he's been getting all season and Emmanuel Sanders has been doing really good over in, in Denver when Thomas was there um, getting getting the majority the bulk of the targets I think he's around eight and a half per game so I still do like um, Hopkins this week as the number one and I don't think it's really going to cut that much and I think people are maybe a little bit burned one by him only getting seven targets last week he did score twice but then Thomas coming over I think helps add to that so I mean if you're trying to pivot off like Adam Thielen who's going to be very popular in that top range I think it makes sense to go uh, Hopkins against Denver here Yep, and they've run, they've run with Lamar Miller a decent amount over the last couple of weeks. He's got like forty carry, no, excuse me, yeah, forty carries over the last couple of weeks. Those have been positive game scripts for them. Denver's just not a very good team, uh, so you could see maybe some more carries out of Miller here. Uh, I'm still comf- very comfortable playing Hopkins in cash just because of the target share. Uh, I probably would rather play Thielen over him now that the pricing difference is maybe enough like 8900 uh 600 more for Thielen on DraftKings that 600 starts making a difference and we have Thielen and then Hopkins is the two highest rated or highest projected wide receivers on the week uh Denver we talked about yesterday about Sanders and Cortland Sutton both seeing uh, upticks in probably just because Thomas isn't around what are your thoughts on Philip Lindsay it doesn't look like Royce Freeman is going to play again this week they are heading into the bye Lindsay was a very popular play last week I, I understand it I was still kind of surprised he was as highly owned considering they were pretty big underdogs to Kansas City. He he carried the ball 18 times, but he effectively uh, split snaps with Devontae Booker. It's 41 to 32. Could you see Lindsey, if Royce Freeman weren't to play, were, were the snaps enough for Lindsey last week? I know he had the 18 carries and he had the three targets. Is that enough for you to play him in cash games at his current price point? I'm a little bit worried, but I can see people going back to the well. Yeah, he's more of a GPP play for me. Um, he just doesn't seem like he's the fit to be like a, you know, give the bulk of the carries to. Um, touches overall, snap share, that kind of thing. 
Um, and Booker, they they want to keep. It's clear they want to keep him involved. Even when there was three of them, he was still a little bit involved. So, it, you know, if he's going to get 15 plus carries, I think he's maybe got that GVP upside. But if he doesn't score that touchdown, you know, he's only around that uh, three times value last week. Not even three times value. A little, you know, two and a half to three times value. So he he's going to need to score that touchdown to hit value with his price going up again this week. So he's going to be more GPP for me. And I think Houston's the better team in this matchup. So. I don't think he's maybe going to, although Kansas City was beating them last week and he didn't get those 18 carries, but I just don't see him as as the top running back, especially in that range of the other guys that we've already talked about this week. So GPP only for me. Interesting. I think we're going to see ownership, decent ownership on him again, 5,500. The thing is, sometimes what drives ownership too is that he was highly owned last week, and if you played him, you were happy with the performance. And Mm -hmm. if you didn't play him, you were unhappy that you didn't play him, right? So, like, I think sometimes that recent performance drives will drive ownership and i could see people talking themselves into like hey 21 touch 21 touches at 5500 on DraftKings, especially when you do receive the ball is a lot he's clearly good and i'm just trying to caution people that like he he wasn't the only guy 41 to 32 is not you know it's 60 40 basically in terms of in terms of overall snaps if they get the lead he probably is the guy i'm just trying to caution people to be a little bit worried all right uh and last booker had one more sp- booker had one more target there too so he kind of, he out targeted him with those touches. So which kind of seemed crazy to me, but that's that's kind of Booker's role. He was always the you know the third down back. So I, I agree with you with uh, recency buys as a good reason to either a get on a guy that's low owned or b fade a guy that's maybe going to be high owned. So that recency bias plays a ton when you're looking at GPP. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> I I earlier in the week the uh, at a couple different books DraftKings book was one of them five dimes was another one had Rams giving two or excuse me getting two points against the Saints and I was like this seems absolutely insane I, I like to get this team is getting points on the road I get that it's the Saints and I get it's at home um and I, I did put in a plus two bet on both of those sites just to get in the action and now we have swung back the other way the Rams are minus one so I'm already feeling good on the equity in that bet but um this game starts at a 60 over under goes to 58 and a half right now hard to imagine this isn't the highest scoring game of the day we talked at length about Gurley to kind of start the the show here. We talked about him at length yesterday. I think that he's a very easy play on DraftKings at 9,500. But what are your thoughts on – so I don't think we need to go too crazy on Gurley again here. But what are your thoughts on what it does to the Rams' overall offense? It looks like Cooper Cup is going to come back. Is it too – is there just too many mouths to feed here? Are they, are they just too smart where it's hard to pick out the guy that's going to get the bulk of the, of the targets on a week-to-week basis? I, I felt very confident with Cook's – and Woods, you know, going in with no cup, and now that kind of muddies the water with Cup coming back. Well, with Cup or without Cup, Robert Woods has been extremely consistent. Like he only had 37 yards in Week One, and since then he's had 70 or more yards receiving in every single game. He's hit that hundred mark three times. The only thing he hasn't been doing really is hitting on the upside. He's only had three touchdowns in that time. So whether Cup's in or not, I really like Robert Woods at that 7K price tag. If you're going balanced wide receivers and cash games like I really like Emmanuel Sanders in the last game that we are uh, in the Denver game there and I like pairing him with Robert Woods if you want to go balanced uh, your wide receivers in cash games just he's just that's if when you know that you're getting that floor of 70 plus yards every single week with touchdown upside I think it makes sense and then on the other side I don't think this is a big I, I mean Gurley's gonna get his but I don't think this is maybe a week where he rushes for 100 plus 150 yards new orleans has been really really good number two dvoa versus the rush i think this is maybe a game where i would possibly bet the under as crazy as that absolutely sounds um that's kind of the way i'm leaning right now and i think that todd Gurley is going to get like i said his 80 to 100 yards but i think the passing game has a really good chance here new orleans has been way more susceptible to the pass than they have the run um, and I think they're really going to concentrate this week on shutting Gurley down. And I think that really opens up Woods and Cooks. I think Cup isn't really going to get a whole bunch. I don't think he's going to be 100%, um, possibly a little bit limited, more of a decoy kind of thing over the middle. So I think Woods and Cooks are definitely in line. Woods more for cash games, like I said, and Cooks more for GPP. He's kind of that home run play. So I do like the passing game this week for the Rams. I absolutely love Alvin Kamara this week I like Kamara has sort of fallen off people's radar since Ingram came back rightfully so because he, he just was not going to continue seeing that elite usage you know 15 targets a game and whatever that he was seeing in those first four or so uh games to start the season he has fallen off because they just haven't needed to do it they've won easily easily beat Washington 
They played in a close game to Baltimore and then pretty easily beat the Vikings last week. Kamara is still very much the plan when you look at snap counts. Um, the week eight, he outsnapped Ingram 38 to 23 to carry the ball the same amount of time. If you were, if I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going crazy to say if. Kamara easily outsnapped Ingram two to one, three to one in this game because especially if they get down, there's no possible way Ingram is going to be on the field in this game, right? Like there's if if the if the Rams score early, I think that is basically the end of Mark Mark Ingram in terms of the offense. I think it's going to be all Kamara. If he hit twelve to thirteen targets in this game, it wouldn't shock me if he touched the ball twenty five total times, especially in a shootout. It wouldn't shock. I'm gonna say touch like targets plus uh, plus rushes. I think he for me is easily easily the gpp running back of the day am i going too i don't i I can't trust it in cash totally but for for me he has as much upside as any running back on the slate and i'm including Gurley. i 100 percent agree with you and look how much cheaper he is he's 2200 cheaper than Gurley, (laughs) and he's i think he's going to get the game script i do think the rams are the better team here i agree with you there and you know like you said if the rams go out and they score early they get up you know seven ten uh, point somewhere in that range I think it's going to like you said put Ingram on the bench quite a bit and we're going to see a ton of Elvin Kamara he's going to get 10 10 plus targets again here this week and his price has just come down so far since since Ingram's come back I think I, I mean I absolutely agree with you that he's got huge upside this week yeah I just I, I'm so close to be on the pull the trigger and cash I think he's coming way too cheap like considering some of the game scripts for these other teams like Connor uh like we mentioned McCaffrey have that being somewhat problematic um the fact that he's the cheapest of all these guys so he, Kamara right now on DraftKings is one two three four is the fifth cheapest fifth. Uh, running back <laughs> uh, on DraftKings and then there's a pretty big drop like there's basically this tier it's Gurley Gordon McCaffrey Hunt Kamara and Connor uh and then and then it really drops off the tier into the into the next group of guys the the fact that Kamara is coming to cheap basically the cheapest of this group uh, with this kind of upside. This guy's paid 2x and 3x in the last two weeks easily in games where they weren't even taxed to have yeah. to play him a lot because they were winning. So I think that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very high on Kamara here. Um, and like I said, a, a, a target and a rush more and actually be coming in close to cash games for me. All right, any last thoughts here? I think we're going to get out of here. Um, we're going to skip over the, the Green Bay New Orleans game and the Tennessee. God, thank God the Tennessee and Cowboy game. We have to talk about. <laughs> but um, uh, just have fun, on, have fun on Monday night with that piece of trash game. Uh, we are from D- dailyfantasysportsrankings.com, dfsr.com for short, dfsr.com slash deals gets you that free seven-day trial still, which we just can't can't seem to go back to three days. We just have to keep it at seven days. We just want to give away a good deal. Free for seven days and then just $24.95 a month. But you have to go to DFSR.com slash deals to get that you for the special the special deal for the podcast listener. Buddy, enjoy your Vikings. Hopefully Dalvin Cook does not play at all this week. Can we agree? Can we also just like say a little prayer that the Cook actually doesn't play and we just get all the Latavius Murray this week? Say that prayer for me and then I'll talk to you next week when we talk more football. Sounds good, man. Geico presents yet another voicemail from your roommate. Hi! So, about the kitchen. Turns out, when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. (laughs) Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here, and it's totally cool. Give me a call back when you get a chance. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.